homes and into this church to produce fruit in us so that your will may be done. Church, I want us all to read together Galatians 5, verses 22 through 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. This week we're beginning a nine-week series called The Nine. The Nine. We're going to challenge uh, all of us here at Northwest... Uh, to be thinking about what it means uh, if we focus on a different fruit of the Spirit every week as we seek to bear the fruit of the Spirit in our homes, in our workplaces, in our church, in our Bible classes, everywhere we go, what would it look like if we every week for nine weeks focused on one of the different fruits of the Spirit and then throughout the week talked about it at home and prayed about it with God and reflected on it in our time with ourselves. And when we came across our brothers and sisters, we encouraged them by how we see that fruit in them. And we received encouragement and feedback from them on how they see that the Spirit working in us in that way. And so we're going to be talking about the nine fruits that the Spirit produces in our lives. But before we get to the fruit, we need to take a minute to just talk about the Holy Spirit. The church has not talked enough about the Holy Spirit in recent years, and, and here at Northwest we've been more and more trying to, to go back and reclaim the Holy Spirit, what it's doing in the world and in our lives, and begin to, to speak about that more, and to talk about it more, and to pray through the Spirit more, and to be aware of the Spirit's presence and activity in the world, and we're going to continue to do that. But if we're going to look at how the Spirit grows fruit in our lives, we need to understand a few things about the Holy Spirit. Uh, we're going to look at a few passages that talk about uh, the Spirit. Acts 2, verses 32 through 33 says this, that God has raised this Jesus to life. And this is Peter speaking at Pentecost in the first sermon after Jesus has ascended. And the Spirit has, in fact, come on Peter, and it's out of the Spirit that he is preaching. And he tells the people, as part of this lengthy sermon, that God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of it. Yeah. Exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. Peter says, listen, when, when Jesus was crucified and resurrected, and then when he went and ascended to sit at the right hand of God, what happened in that moment is that God placed in Jesus his Holy Spirit. That Jesus himself, who is God, and God the Father who is God, and the Holy Spirit who is God, that, that when Jesus is exalted, the Holy Spirit was given to him, and he receives it in some way that he had not had it before. But not only was it given to Jesus, uh, that this same Holy Spirit that is given to Jesus is now flowing through Peter and the other followers who are giving the very sermon that he's preaching as he says this. That Jesus is exalted and given the Spirit, and now we speak to you out of the power and the overflow of the Spirit in us and through us, and we offer to you these words. But the Holy Spirit isn't just for Jesus and the apostles and his followers. Because if you skip down to verse 38, Peter famously in our fellowship replies, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And you have. For those of you who have done exactly that, who have repented and been baptized, you've received the gift of the Holy Spirit. That, that the Spirit of God now dwells in you. That God's Spirit, the Spirit which floated over the deep of the waters in the beginning, the Spirit that, that brought judgment on Egypt and that was with Israel in the wilderness and that lived in both the tabernacle and later in the temple, that that Spirit is now given to each baptized follower of Jesus and it dwells in you. All the times in the Old Testament where the question is asked, will God go with us? Will God be in his temple? Can God live among his, his sinful people? Is answered in this, that if you're a baptized follower of Jesus, not only does his spirit go with you, it dwells within you. And we become the new temple of God where he takes up residence through his spirit. You know, but much more... Yeah, there's, there's much to say about the Spirit. Uh, a few more things that happens when the Spirit dwells in you. Not only uh, do you have God's presence in you and have that relational connection with God through the Spirit, but there are things that the Spirit starts to do in the lives of the believer. And, and there's much more to say about this than we're going to get to this morning, but I need to hit a few of the highlights. Uh, in Romans, Paul writes, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. You ever have times when you're just so aware of your own weakness? Where all you know, and maybe it's your, your body's physical weakness, or it's your mental or your emotional weakness, it's your relational weakness in, in how you interact with other people. But there's times in life where all you can think about is how weak you are and how much you need. And it's in those moments that God's Spirit shows up. Not that He was ever gone. I'm going to be careful not to say that He shows up. He's always there. The Spirit is always present. The Spirit is always with us. But it's in those moments when we realize our need and dependence that we tend to become more aware that the Spirit is there to strengthen us when we don't have the strength in ourselves. The Spirit gives us the words to pray because there's sometimes when things happen in our lives and in the world that you go to God and you think, God, I don't even know what to say. The Spirit gives us what we lack, and it fills us up to fullness. And not only does it give us the words to pray when we need them, but there's times that we can't even find the words, and the Spirit, it says, intercedes on our behalf to God the Father with groans and, and things that are beyond even our understanding. And the Spirit does what we can't do, going before God on our behalf and, and praying and interceding for us. In Luke chapter 12, verses 11 through 12, Jesus is telling the apostles, he says, Listen, when you're brought before synagogues, rulers, and authorities, do not worry about how you will defend yourselves or what you will say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you at the time what you should say. They could do that back then because they didn't have to have a PowerPoint to go with their sermon. 
to show up and say, we're just going to trust the Spirit to give me what I need to say to these rulers and authorities that I'm afraid of, who could take my life, who could throw me in jail, who can deny everything that I'm saying. And Jesus says to the apostles, don't get so caught up in planning this out yourself because the Spirit's going to give you the words you need to say at the time you need to say them. Do not depend on yourself because you're not smart enough, not good enough. You can't get it done. But with the Spirit in you and working through you, you're going to have exactly the words that you need to say for Jesus to become known to the powers that be in the world. Oh, come on, Spirit. Come on, give us the words. And so we can have confidence when we go to talk to people. And, and we get into this, we, we get, we're going to talk about spiritual gifts in a minute. We tend to say, well, I don't want to do that. I don't want to talk to people about my faith. That's not my spiritual gift. Well, that means you're relying on your ability to speak and not the Spirit's ability to speak through you. And we need to get more and more confidence that it's God's Spirit doing anything. So when we succeed, we give Him glory and thanks. And, and when we fail, we realize that we need to depend on Him more. And that it's the Spirit's work in us and through us that gives us the words to say and the knowledge of what to do that prays on our behalf to God. Oh man, the Spirit's just filling us up over and over again. And it does give us gifts. In, in 1 Corinthians 12... And also in Ephesians 4, there's lists that talk about the different spiritual gifts uh, that the Spirit gives to Christians. You have gifts and abilities right now and today that the Spirit has placed in you. And the Scriptures tell us that that's done for the purpose of serving the church so that the entire body might grow up into full maturity. That the Spirit calls some to be pastors and evangelists, some to have faith, knowledge, healing, wisdom, service, some to be apostles, to have miraculous powers, to do things that are unexplainable. God gives spiritual gifts to the church so that we can serve one another as a whole body made up of different parts with great gifts and little gifts and big gifts and small gifts and all the different things come together so that we can be built up into the full maturity of the body of Christ. And it's the Spirit that gives us those gifts. The area that we're going to be focusing on a lot in the coming uh, weeks, really two months and a little bit extra, uh, for the next two months we're going to be talking about the fruits of the Spirit. It comes from the text that we all read together from Galatians chapter 5 earlier uh, where Paul writes to the church in Galatia that the Spirit when it comes into you starts to produce fruit and that fruit is character traits. It's virtues. It's actually transforming your, your values, your actual core that gives you guidance as to what is good and what is bad, what is right and what is wrong, what is, what is pure and what is vile. All of that becomes reoriented so that you become like God and take on His characteristics. Because the fruits of the Spirit are rooted in the very good character of God. The Spirit produces these things in us because when God's living inside of you with all of His good virtue and character and all of His traits, that they will start to become contagiously transforming to you. You cannot have God's Spirit dwelling inside of you and not become influenced and affected to become more and more like God. God's Spirit does this work of from the inside out starting to reshape our heart, our mind, our actions, our words, the things we do, say, the way we interact, interact with other people become changed because we become spirit people. And our 
virtue becomes more like God's virtue. Our character becomes more like God's character. Paul mentions these nine virtues that Christians begin to grow in to look more and more like God. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And as you go over that list and and you let that list be a mirror for you, and you look into the mirror of these virtues of God, aren't there some that you hear and you think, boy, it is good that God has given me that. And aren't there some that you think, oh God, grow me up a little more. I need some more spirit. I need some more growth. I need more fruit. Because these are not things that we earn by our own efforts or our own good work. You don't get it by your own merit. This isn't something that you go out. If you're a professional athlete, you've gotten there because you've worked hard enough to be the kind of person who can do the work and put the hours in and develop the skills to go out and do what needs to be done. This is not that. This is not, uh, you can't earn these things. The Spirit is going to grow them in you, whether you want it or not. If the Spirit is in you, you're going to be getting shaped by the Spirit. You cannot have God inside you and not be affected to become more like God. The question is, and this is what we're going to be working on for the next nine weeks, is that you either choose habits and lifestyles that push against and resist the Spirit's work in your life, or you choose habits and lifestyles that invite and enable the Spirit to do its work in your life? Are you doing things every day that push the Spirit out and restrain it and resist it? Or are you doing things every day that say, Spirit, come in and do your work. I'm going to be attentive to you. I'm going to be attentive to the Word. I'm going to be attentive to prayer. I'm going to be attentive to to the needs of others in, in the world around me so that I might live out your work in my life. And you create opportunities to grow and to be transformed and to be changed by God's Spirit living in you and working through you. Are you doing that? Which You're doing one or the other. The question is, which one are you doing? For the next nine weeks, we're going to challenge every member, every family, every part of our congregation to make every effort to increase the Spirit's production of fruit, virtue, and character in your lives. And we're going to give you a lot of tools to help you do it. Uh, We've got uh, packets that I want every family to get on your way out of here this morning. So if you usually go out that door to that door, change your habits for one day, this is a habit you can take to enable the Spirit, okay? One day. Uh, If you don't like shaking my hand at this door, that's fine. Go out and around and get where you need. Go to the Home Point Resource Center. We've got 150 packets. So this isn't just for families with kids. This is for families that are married, families that are families of one, that are families with grandkids, that are families, all the different types of families. We want you to get this packet, and you're going to read it no matter who you are, and you're going to go, some of this isn't for me. That's fine. Read the other stuff. Let that be for you. And there's some things you're going to read in this packet that you think, that's uncomfortable, that doesn't fit my family. Modify it. 
It's flexible. Make it yours. Own it in a way that, that is most meaningful for your family. But what we want you to be doing with this packet is coming up with ways to have guided conversations at home or with your kids. And if you're at home and you're by yourself, uh, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful that the lunch bunch that goes out each week can use that as an opportunity for some of our uh, adult singles to have conversations about love and joy and peace with one another. So you don't have to do it in exactly the way that it's prescribed and given to you, but find ways each week in your life and at home, and if you need to call someone, call someone, to have conversations about that week's fruit of the Spirit. And to think about what that looks like in your life and in your world. It's got ideas for activities that can help you have conversations with your families about each week's fruit, some for younger kids, uh, some for uh, older kids, and even some for teens. Uh, so if, you're, if you've got a family that has kids of different age groups, make sure you get one of the packets with your name on it because we're trying to give you age-appropriate resources to have meaningful conversations at, at home. There's stuff for couples, young families, families with teens. Uh, there's charts and different ways of tracking uh, how you see the fruit of the Spirit at home. Parents, we want you watching your kids all week to see if God's Spirit is doing things in them that you can say, man, I've seen God's Spirit producing love in you today. And I want you to see it. I want to show you how I've seen patience in you today. Because I didn't yesterday. <laughs> the day before. Um, if you want to practice self-control, just for fun, go to the toy aisle at Walmart. And, and they can practice self-control. You know, have fun with it, you know? We want you to find ways to observe the fruits of the Spirit in one another's lives, husbands and wives telling each other, I've seen God's Spirit alive in you today and this week through your demonstration of this or that virtue. Um, each week, this is, this is kind of a new thing. This is a, a live experiment that we're doing as a church. I kind of emailed you about this this week. If you've got a painting that you've done before or that you do this week, like next week, we're going to be talking about joy. If you've got a picture of what joy looks like, a visual representation of joy uh, that you can email to me, I'm going to try and work a lot of your art and photographs and other things into the sermon, uh, into the PowerPoint each week, so that we can be collectively recognizing what God's Spirit is doing to create the fruits of the Spirit in our community and in our lives and celebrating that together as a family. We've got a few of those today that you'll see here uh, in a few minutes. Um, there's also cards that you may have noticed in the chairs. Uh, there's several in each row, and we'll try and keep these replenished throughout the series. We'll also have some at the, the Welcome Center out in the South Foyer. Uh, on the back, it says, Dear Fill in the Blank. Your job is to fill in the blank. I wanted you to know that I've seen the Spirit in you because of your... Ideally, you would focus on that week's trait that we're focusing on the most, the character uh, trait of having love. And so you might put someone's name in there and say, I want you to know that I've seen the Spirit in you because of your love. And you might make a little note about how you've seen it or where you saw it. And then sign it, tell them who it's from, and just go give it to them. Say, I've seen this in you. We're going to celebrate what the Spirit is doing in this church family for nine weeks. Now, if you want to get ahead and go celebrate someone's kindness or goodness in advance, you can do that. Just know that you won't get any cards congratulating you for self-control. So you're allowed to go ahead. We just aren't going to celebrate your patience. This week, we're talking about the fruit of love. 
So we've got here to where we're actually in the meat of today's lesson. We've appreciated the spirit and what it does in our lives. We understand kind of the plan of how we're going to be doing this as families and as a community. But what I want you to see is that the very first thing that Paul lists is that the fruit of the spirit that begins the list is the fruit of love. I want to begin by reading 1 John chapter 4. We're going to start in verse 7. And I want you to just, just really listen to this. After, after I read this, I'm going to move into another text. I'm not even going to really provide much commentary on it because really the words of John here about love are so powerful. We'll come back to it in a few minutes, but I want you to just listen and let these words of God wash over you. Dear friends, let us love one another. For love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God, because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. This is how we know that we live in him, and he in us. He has given us of his spirit, and we have seen and testified that the Father has sent the Son to be the Savior of the world. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God... God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There's no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear. Because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother or sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. In Luke 14, Jesus is preaching, and he's teaching, and he's talking to these people that are all caught up about who's the most important. Luke 14, verse 12, Jesus said to the host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. In the kingdom of God, 
the kingdom of God, it's not enough to do a better job of loving the people that you would love anyways. And that's so often what we think about. We often think that Christians should be uh, better husbands and wives, that they should be better parents and better children, that they should be better bosses and employers, that they should be better neighbors. And, and I think if Christians take on the virtues of God, that will naturally happen, that you will become better at doing all of those things. But the reality is when it comes to this kind of love that the Spirit gives us, it's not just about loving people differently or loving people better, or increasing your love. Really, any self-help book can help you to do that, to be better at being a husband or a wife. What the Spirit does when it goes and places love in us is it changes us so that not only do we love differently, but we love different people. We love different people. Because we're not allowed anymore to just choose the people that we would love anyway. What we have to do as Christians who have the Spirit in us is begin to love all the people that God loves in the way that He loves them. And we don't get to pick and choose anymore that we love the people who look good or act good or talk like us or dress like us or think like us or vote like us. The people who post the things on social media that I like to post and that I like them and they like me. What happens is that, that it's not the people that live in my neighborhood, it's the people that live on the other side of town the people who have more than me and have less than me, that what changes when we have God's spirit of love is that we start to love all people without restriction. And so when you throw a party in the kingdom way, you don't go invite the people that you would invite to a party whether Jesus got out of the tomb or not. When you start to love people in the kingdom way, you look around and you say, boy, if Jesus didn't get out of the tomb, I'd invite my friends and my family and the cool people in town to come over to my house. But if Jesus got out of the tomb, I've got to invite the people that I don't really get along with. And then I've got to get along with them. I've got to love the people that I consider to be the most difficult to love. That what the Spirit does is it gives us a spirit of love that challenges us to cross all the barriers that the world puts between us and other people today and get over them in the name of Jesus Christ by the power of the Spirit which gives us love. And so when we look at the famous list, the list that was read earlier from 1 Corinthians 13 of what love is, love is patient, love is kind. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, it is not easily angered, it keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. kind of read this backwards, there's an interesting thing that happens. Love is patient because you have to give it to people who drive you crazy. The love that the Spirit gives us has to be patient because it's with people that will test your patience every day. The Spirit gives us a love that keeps us from envying because you envy people that you think have something that you deserve more than they do. So the love of the Spirit does not envy. The love of the Spirit keeps us from boasting because it's easy to boast to people that you're better than. It's a lot easier to brag after you win a game than after you lose one, right? It's a lot easier to be patient with people that you just beat than who beat you, right? 
You dishonor those who you think are disgusting. There's people that we tend to be offended by and reviled by. We want to dishonor them. But the love of the Spirit doesn't do that. Behind this list of the characteristics of the love that the Spirit gives us is the recognition that it's being given to people that make us want to be envious and boastful and dishonor them and impatient with, and we resist all of those things with all of those people because God's love requires something different of us. Not to love differently, but to love different people with the love that Jesus gave to us when we didn't deserve it, when we were still not worthy of it, is when he dies for us on the cross. He says, if you want to be my people, you have to go give it to the other people who you think still don't deserve it. Well, I still think they do. And now you've got to love them like I do because you're my people who are carrying my spirit. possible that as we were reading and talking about the list of people that are hard for you to love that someone's face came to mind and if they did I want you and we've done things like this before and I think that we need to continually do this to pull to your mind the face of the person that it's difficult for you to show love and kindness and welcome and forgiveness to and call their face to mind as you again hear some of the words of first John God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made. This is how love is made complete among us so that we will have confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. There is no fear in love, but perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. We love because he first loved us. Whoever claims to love God yet hates his brother or sister is a liar. Whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he's given us this command, anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. May the spirit of God increase our love. God, may your spirit come into us and increase our love and produce great fruit in our lives and in our homes and in this church. Church, let me challenge you. Today, every family, please make sure someone in your family goes and picks up a packet. If you're a family with kids, get the one with your name on it. We're going to have people over there helping you to get, get what you need. If you're not sure, ask Laura or Amanda. Uh, they'll answer your questions. They'll invite you to do this. Uh, they have put in an incredible amount of work. Don't discredit their work by not taking advantage of the blessing they offer you. Go get your packet. Talk about the love the Spirit gives us this week with someone at home or someone on the phone or someone at lunch. Find someone that you can talk to about the love the Spirit gives us. Do an activity with your family at home. If you don't like the one that's in there, come up with your own. If you're reading it and you're like, I could come up with something better, just prove it and do that thing. Find somebody in your life and tell them when you see God's love in their life as a result of the Spirit working in them and through them. Next week, we're going to talk about joy. So this week, if you're thinking about joy and praying about joy, and you've got an, a picture that you want to share or create, uh, send it to me. 
we're going to work those things into the, the lesson so that as a community, what we are going to do for the next nine weeks is celebrate what the Spirit of God is doing in each one of us and in what He's doing in us as a church, what He's doing in our families and in our homes. We're going to give honor to the Spirit for what He is doing in your lives and in our church. Are you, does this sound good? Listen, if you're here today, if you're here today and you need to come forward and respond to the gospel of Jesus Christ, here's what it is. The gospel of Jesus Christ is that, that he loves you and he welcomes you and he wants you to be saved. That you get, when you respond through repentance and baptism and faith, the gift of the Holy Spirit. The gift that comes with forgiveness, that comes with the dwelling of the Spirit within you, that begins to give you gifts and transform you into looking more like God and being part of the people of God for all of eternity. If you need to respond to that gospel or to the message this morning, please come forward as we stand and sing. God's in His Son, they call.